Hey, I'm Danny Belvin. And I'm Damika Brown. And we're biracial unicorns. And our idea of sexy is tacos and respect. Oh, it's <laughs> true, but I wish you wouldn't talk about tacos. I'm so hungry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's so early in your neck of the woods. Normally, it's always like one o'clock in the morning my time. It's like, what, 7.30 a.m. over there? Yeah, yeah. And I'm um, so, oh, I'm so sorry, girl. Yeah, it's okay. We had some recording issues this morning, which was mildly irritating as well. Mm-hmm. And on five hours of sleep, it was not my favorite. Girl, but why are you up so late? Because I was very caffeinated last night. <laughs> so <laughs> I couldn't, I, like, I knew that was going to be the situation because I went to, like, a, a tea thing last mm-hmm. night. So... We drank like four pots of tea. Oh, yeah. So I was very caffeinated it. and awake. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. I can't judge because I stayed up taking my braids out and, wat- and catching up on Star Trek Discovery. So Oh, I haven't watched much more since we last talked about it. But <laughs> I need to... I need to catch up. Oh, and what color did you do your braids? No, I haven't put... I just took them out. Ah, uh, you haven't redone them. You just I haven't redone them. They need to breathe. Your scalp needs to breathe. And you just need to like deep condition for a while. I know everyone is very concerned about the process, but I haven't. I actually got a couple of suggestions, so I haven't decided yet. But um, summer's coming and I have to get these this hair back in braids. But, um, but besides drinking way too much tea on the weekend after 30, how was the rest of your week? <laughs> it was fine. How was yours? It's good. We went to Amsterdam, which was really cool, actually. Um, I really enjoyed it. It is a beautiful, beautiful place. And there's a lot of kind of, not stereotypes, but there's there's an idea of Amsterdam, I think, that we all have. And there is some of that. <laughs> there is there is weed a plentieth, and there, there is the red light district. But it, it was a really beautiful place. We'll have to totally, like chit chat about it or if anyone wants to ask it was if you have a chance to go you you should really really go (laughs) yeah just pop over to amsterdam no big yeah you know i guess i guess i didn't even realize how bougie that just sounded (laughs) is amsterdam on the white list (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) oh man I mean, but I would definitely go if given the chance. Yeah. And I won't even tell you how I, well, I will tell you. We went by ferry boat, which I definitely feel is like, (laughs) like no black person's going to be like, I'm going to put my car on a boat and then take that boat across the water to then take my car off the boat to then drive in Europe. Like, I don't feel like that's just a thing that a lot of black people do. Uh, Yeah. Perhaps not. Yeah. I do, I do my best, but, (laughs) but today, speaking of doing our best, we are going to do our best to try to talk about representation in entertainment in, I guess, yeah, across the board, film and TV. Is it getting any better or is the industry just throwing us some bones? Yeah, the comment that we actually got said is Hollywood just throwing us bones. Yeah, so it's a listener suggestion. So thank you for giving me more opportunity to rant about white Hollywood. (laughs) (laughs) Who, Who do you have the name of the person that gave that to us? I don't. It was one of the circle of nerds. Oh, shout out to the circle of nerds. Yeah, I'm not sure if they all manage their their social media or if it's just one of them but so one of them suggested it so thank you circle of nerds we love you we do so much love for the nerds so yeah should we we dig in representation Mm -hmm. i know we've (sighs) touched on this beforehand we had like our christmassy episode where we talked about hallmark in all the movies that were coming out and how it was looking looking a little sparse in the diversity category, but I'm I'm really excited to kind of crack into this a little bit more more in depth in a few more categories as well. Yeah, I mean I don't think it can be that in depth because it's such a broad a broad <laughs> thing. 
um, quite honestly. <laughs> but I think we can we can open it up and and see where we go. So there's more representation than ever. I mean, there's there's more media than ever. There's more entertainment coming out than ever. So there's definitely more representation. Is it the right kind of representation? I don't know. Is it equal? Definitely not. Does entertainment reflect the society in which we live in? No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Thus, it is entertainment. And we could talk about that racially, but we could also talk about it just based off of gender or just based off of sexuality or anything, anything. We could talk about any aspect and it's definitely not equal, definitely not a good representation of what the world is really like. It is definitely fucking white, white Hollywood where men get most of the speaking roles, get the best roles generally. Uh Um, Just, I'm so tired of white men, (laughs) D'Amika. I know, I know. And before anyone thinks that Danny is just an, an, an angry woman of color, which, by the way, that is one of her best qualities. So don't you dare. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank you. So no, like, I don't think that's a bad thing. All you have to do, I was looking up for um, social sciences for UCLA.edu, talking about the diversity report. Guys, give this a listen. We should probably link this. I've just been throughout the week, just kind of giving it glances over uh, considering the the population account and the amount, like you said, we're just getting so much entertainment at such a rapid speed. And what I've also find quite interesting as well is that because of the age of streaming, internet streaming, we have a lot more independent uh, companies, mm. uh, YouTube platforms coming out as well. And even there, you're seeing a tilt or you're seeing a lot Uh, A lot more people of color, definitely a lot more females kind of in roles of writing, directing and starring more into that genre, but still incredibly lopsided as well. And what we're actually producing um, and what the genres were kind of allowed to be in. I mean, what was it in? They're saying right here is that only one out of uh, 1.4 out of 10 lead actors in films are people of color. 1.4 out of 10. Yeah, like, I mean, that sounds about right, quite honestly. No, but, <laughs> but and, and, it's, that's it's the upsetting thing. for sure. But I think we can sit here and people can, and, you know, we say white Hollywood. I think people all of a sudden that fragility, like the hairs on the back of everyone's necks kind of um, start standing up and they start getting PTSD from Oscar so white and start going on the defensive. We are simply just displaying you numbers. There has been countless articles, loads of research into this. These are facts. This is actually not technically uh, an opinion piece that we are doing we are telling you and let's not even get into directing writing and producing right we're just talking even just representation on the screen the the people that we see um not even talking about the voices yet because that could be a whole nother uh, discussion along those lines you brought up oscars so white and i think there's also there's a misconception that somehow the Oscars reflect the taste of the people somehow. Mm-hmm. It is a popularity contest, but not a popularity contest with the populace. You know, it's a popularity yes. contest that's decided by the Academy of Motion Pictures, which is also what I'm referring to when I say white Hollywood sometimes, um, <laughs> even though there are people of color in it. But really, it's just 16%. As mm-hmm. of as of 2018, so I don't know wow. what the numbers if they've changed drastically since then. I mean, in 2018, they made a big push towards inviting mm-hmm. a bunch of new members that were people of color and women. Still, in 2018, they're like, "Look at all these people of color." We're asking 38 percent of the people we're inviting are people <laughs> of color. Look, 38 percent. I'm familiar 38% is not a passing grade. <laughs> like It was just not. Thank you. If you get 38% of a burrito, you are still hungry. That is not enough burrito. It's, that's not no. enough pie. <laughs> I know. And still, that's like new members. Overall enrollment was still 16%. So I'm not impressed. On one hand, so these things happen 
and then get, you know, applauded. We were talking about like, even within for 2018, there's five broadcast networks. Um, the percentages of, was it several regular people of color on this show, a new development? They've got like that. We've got eight fall shows coming out with lead actors of people of color. There was only four last fall. I'm like, wait, are you not ashamed that last year of the major broadcasting networks as a whole only had four shows to debut with lead actors of color? And so you doubled that to have eight. And that's amongst the five major broadcasting networks. But also, how how many of those shows Mm -hmm. were marketed towards like a wide range of audiences? Or were they seen as shows for people of color with people of color? I think they always are. Yeah, we're like almost always relegated to our own. Okay, so I'm going to back up for a sec here. Girl, back it up. Yeah, I think that accurate representation in the media would consist of shows and films where there is a diverse cast uh, that accurately represents the society that we live in, that's watched by everybody. And it's mm-hmm. not like seen as, oh, that's a black show. That's a fucking Latino show. I think that's what would be accurate representation. Part of the issue is even when we're seeing more people of color in film and in television, those movies and shows are mostly seen by other people of color and not white people. Like Now, do you think that's a marketing strategy or do you think th- that is just who wants to go see it? I think it's both, uh, quite honestly. Um, so I know we wanted to talk a little bit about the movie, the Jordan Peele movie, Us, mm-hmm. right? Well, we, we, we got to. We got if we're, we're, we're going to start talking about representation, let's talk about what's going on, you know, r- r- right now. Like, what's really at the heart of it right now? Because this was at 20, 2019, technically, right? It didn't come out. Yeah. Right, so yeah. 2019, you know, review where we are right now. He He's he's very hot in Hollywood right now. He's- right? I feel like white people love him. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> Is that yeah. true? I don't I, know. I mean, we should probably ask. Uh, half of me does. I mean, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I only half love him. I only half love him. That, but but I do. I feel like there's because especially here he had a show beforehand. It wasn't right. He already had a like a rapport already, and I think he was his platform and voice was already quite familiar already. Mm. So I think that definitely kind of aided in the popularity with his type of humor in this kind of like almost. Chappelle show-esque kind of vibe that they had where it was very mm. racially charged in a way that was like very forward thinking, but also very palatable as well for people who are not of color. But yes, you actually went to go see the movie, right? Us? I did. Yes. All right. I loved, loved Get Out. And we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. Get Out was his directorial debut. It was so good and so smart so much social commentary and all these plays on horror film tropes. I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Us, I also very much enjoyed, but it was very different, That's which obviously hear. it should be. I think part of it was he didn't want to be pigeonholed as directing a certain type of film, mm-hmm. right? So it's still a horror film and it still has at its heart, a black cast. It's not limited to only a black cast, but man, are the white characters fucking goofy. (laughs) (laughs) Which I'm always, I'm always there for. I love it. (laughs) Which, sidebar, the reason why, at least for me, is that you need to actually understand the history, which we'll kind of touch on a a little bit, Mm. of how the one person of color was always portrayed in movies and you'll kind of understand that little that nugget of joy that might bring to someone like ourselves to kind of watch but how i have to ask since you've actually seen it i was reading that a lot of people said that this movie was maybe slightly ambitious like there were a lot of big themes that maybe necessarily didn't quite work out to just as your opinion that's not even like a racially driven question but i guess maybe mm. it is well <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't as neat as Get Out, for sure. Mm. Like, I think Get Out had very big social commentary that was, like, very apparent and and wrapped up. You could write a dissertation about Get Out and have the answers within the film itself, right? Us was was different, and I know he was trying to be less less social commentary, less political with the film. And I think in some ways it was, I mean, it was still social commentary, but it wasn't as race driven, except for the fact that, you know, like a black woman was the lead, which is, is political just by doing that. Mm, Of course. Exactly. I mean, just by there being a predominantly black cast, um, you know, director, things of that nature. Like that's already a statement, which I think that's what we're talking about as far as like diversity is the fact that that still makes an impact in 2019. When we say things like predominantly black casts produced, you know, written, directed, like when you say that and people go, Oh, I should probably go. Cause God knows when that's going to happen again. Like that, that that's kind of the attitude we have now. It becomes like an, an event to go to these things, to go and see art, made by people of color for the general populace do you know what I mean yeah yeah and I think that's part of part of my attitude towards consuming media these days or entertainment these days there are so Mm -hmm. many options out there with all the streaming services like you said it's much easier for indie sort of things to pop up and be bigger in on our radar so I try to be very conscious about not consuming too much white Hollywood (laughs) just because I'm so tired of it. Like I said, Mm. I was being a little facetious with my, I'm so tired of white people, but I I kind of am. I want to see more representation and, you know, yes, I can create my own things and put them out into the world, but I feel like one of the best ways I can help drive that is by consuming media that, is more diverse. So I I very rarely go to the movies, but lately when I do, it's for one of two things, right? It's like a nerdy franchise that I can't help but go see because okay. I need to consume the things. And those are always very white. <laughs> and there's, and we're trying, we might have to tackle that next, but you yeah. know, one, one fight at a time, everybody. One fight at a time. So that or I, you know, will consciously go out and see see things made by people of color. You know, like the la- I think I talked about last year in 2018, like most of the movies I saw in the theater, Get Out, Sorry to Bother You, Blind Spotting, Crazy Rich Asians. Like I was intentionally going to see these films, Black Panther and I was not disappointed. Like, those are all wonderful movies. Maybe Crazy Rich Asians. I don't want to get too much shade for this, but it was not (laughs) as great. But I'm also not into romantic comedies. So, yeah, I was going to say it might not just be like your, but that, but that, but that's the joy. You get to say, hey, it's not my cup of tea. Like, I'm thinking about, um, speaking of shade, the show Empire which is mm. a predominantly black cast and it's re- it's it's a soap opera for black people at a nighttime slot at a primetime nighttime slot and that's how I think the package is and there was a really interesting article that I read ages ago when it came out that black people don't have to we have come far enough in our journey that we don't have to be the good guy Mm. When they does that make sense? Like we get to play these other roles because beforehand, because our representation was so low that when we had one on screen, we wanted to make sure that they were a hero. They were a doctor. They were a lawyer. They were successful. They were put together. They were this because that's all we had. And so you're trying to write these roles and, you know, to try to kind of make up for all the cruddy, horrific, stereotypical roles that we have had. And so you can kind of see in Hollywood where they've tried to make those, I'm thinking like Grey's Anatomy, any kind of CSI show. Well, there is just very sharp, strong, still predominantly male characters. But they're saying, they're like, well, isn't the joy of art being able to be whoever you want to be? This main character of this particular show, they are all flawed. They all get to be kind of messy. They get to be 
Um, you know, they get to be thugs or they get to be refined. They get to have mental illnesses. They get to kind of fall apart because there's many people and many different representation. We have come this far to be able to play whatever role we want and it not look shady upon our community because there is a role for everybody. I don't know. I found that I had a lot of mixed feelings because a lot of people say it was very like degrading towards the culture. But part of me is just like, we're never happy, are we? <laughs> no. no, it's hard to be happy, though. <laughs> no, it's, it's really, really hard. really hard when you've only been given so much, when you only have so much space, you know, which, like I said, I keep using food because I love food. You know, it's um, it's so hard when you feel like there's not enough for everybody and you always feel like you have to kind of like fight for the little bit that you have when you come to the table and then you don't feel like you have a voice when you're trying to speak up that you're not happy and satisfied you you, you can't help but be very particular about what you have once you finally get it because you've waited a very long time to have it. Mm, yeah, exactly. Not to disparage crazy rich Asians more, but I feel like that was a lot of a lot of the feeling of it was people felt like I have to love this because it's mm. you know, when when else are we going to see all Asian cast with like a predominantly Asian crew. It's insane. Something on that scale hadn't been done since not a cast like that since Joy Luck Club. I, girl, take it back to the Joy Luck. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. And, and I feel like, you know, I was excited for it and I'm not even Asian. Like... <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel like some like of like predominantly black TV shows. Like if we take it back of what's going on now there's the show the blackish which we'll actually talk about later in the show i don't really watch it it really wasn't my thing um i really love what the actors have done independently and who they are i think collectively it's like oh it's not it's not my kind of show and that's totally fine but because of what it was doing and who was in it and the magnitude of the cast it's like well you you have to i'm like well i I really don't like but you have to but do i really have to because i kind of don't want to because it felt like ever since like the golden age of the family comedy sitcom of Family Matters and and Fresh Prince, like we. I love th- that that's your golden age of sitcoms. Yeah, that's the golden age. <laughs> Did I just date myself, or we also had the different word? That's okay. I'm flawless. <laughs> I'm ageless. Um, we, we had like a different world. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the syrupy sweet. You know, this made a really big deal of having, you know, an all, you know, color cast. And it was just, it was a different kind of vibe. And it's like, well, I have to watch this because all the other kids of color are going to be talking about it. So I better, I better learn up. (laughs) What would you say has been in your, and that's not saying this actually was, I'm saying in your experience, what was your, in your lifetime and in your, in your timeframe, what was like the first show of representation that really impact you that you watched regularly or your first exposure Mm. of a person of color like well one I think I very early became aware and accepting of the fact that people just weren't going to look like me in movies Mm. and tv and that's like so sad <laughs> to just no. even like say that out loud. No, no, no. But that's how you feel. And that's been your experience, you know? Yeah. And it's, and I, I think we've, we've probably touched on this before, but for me, it's very, very complicated as, you know, a mixed race person who is mm-hmm. brought up in my very like Nuevo Mexicano culture and like very Chicano, but like me myself, I look Asian and like being Native American and not in tune with that and just being like mixed race. So it's not like you really look entirely like one thing. So it's hard for me to be like, like the people I related to were always the Asian characters, like to just be like perhaps inappropriate but like those were the characters that looked like me so those are the characters that I was most excited about I remember as kids even my sister her favorite power ranger was the yellow ranger because she looks like my sister was her reason I can't with that cuteness stop (laughs) it yeah so I think those were like the characters like there was 
there was a push when we were kids to have more diverse casts, but mm-hmm. always the the lead characters in these children's shows were always like a white boy. And then like the secondary character was always a white girl. And then there would be like maybe a, a token black kid, maybe a token Asian kid, like maybe, maybe a token Latino. Um, <laughs> it, and they were normally working. And don't forget the redhead. That was always oh, yeah. mischievous. A redhead. Yeah, the redhead is diversity. <laughs> I'm just letting they that I'm letting you know their thought process. I'm not saying I agree. <laughs> yeah, so like like shows like Ghost Rider had a cast like that, right? Mm-hmm. So like those things, I guess, kind of stuck in my mind a little bit as a kid. But I I'm also we're the same age, so Family Matters was a show, Fresh Prince was a show that I watched that were like more diverse. In the sense that they weren't just a white sitcom family. But I was also really into watching old sitcoms. Mm -hmm. So for me, for me, I know this was like a 20 minute response that could have been just this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I live for it, Danny. Yeah, I just had to I just had to walk through it. Sorry. But for me, Mm -hmm. I think the first show really was I Love Lucy. Mm-hmm. Girl, say it. And I mean, even historically, that's that's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. Because there was not leading men who were Latino and mm-hmm. who weren't a stereotype, right? Like, Ricky Ricardo was a powerful, successful guy and he like you know he was like the level-headed logical one which goes against you know and like yes he would lose his temper or whatever but like (laughs) and just the fact too that you know Desi Arnaz was the brains behind a lot of it I mean Lucille Ball was too but you know he did a lot of the directing and like they innovated with the three cameras and and all of those things and it was just so unusual and and I remember I did a report on on I Love Lucy in fifth grade no it was a really really big deal it was and and I I read through all this stuff and it was it was a huge thing when they decided to do this sitcom based off of you know their own relationship or at least just having the two of them be in a relationship as they were in real life on the screen and lots mm-hmm. of people were like oh no like I, we can't have this brown guy and this white woman together like what what kind of statement are we making there so so i find that really really powerful and like mm-hmm. it's it's such a staple now. Like everyone knows, I love Lucy, and they it doesn't do. seem it doesn't seem so innovative or groundbreaking now. Well, I, I think for the thing, like even just for them being like being seen in the same bed together, like they like well, further on they down were the they they slept in two separate beds. Well, I think at first, and then I think officially, it was like the first show to show a married couple in the same bed. I think I think down the road, I'm gonna have to. I think I think that that was like one of those things of like they started out, and then I think throughout the season there was like the first show that actually had the married couple in the same bed together but the thing with with that you know now because because of that people didn't know really anybody who was cuban you Mm. know and so it was like can you imagine the weight he had on his shoulders of just being like you are literally representing everyone in your culture at this very moment and the pressures of hollywood and then of course them having kids on set it i i found that quite like miraculous and it's a treasure do you know what I mean? A lot of people love that. And it, it has its own kind of cult following. And you think about that, that might have been people's first exposure to anyone of, uh, of a Latin influence. Um, right. I, I know. And he, my, wasn't, he wasn't portrayed that way. Like he was just a person. Like he was a nuanced person. slightly portrayed. Oh, okay. But he, he, he was, was a also, musician who sang Babalu. <laughs> but but so was Desi Arnaz. Like that's who yes. he was in real life. Like True. I feel like he had some depth to him. I guess is what I'm saying. He wasn't just Babalu and that's it. <laughs> no, complete you're completely right. And I do like that they had affection towards each other. It wasn't just like, oh, a peck on the cheek. Like he grabbed his woman, he kissed his woman, he loved his woman. And um and they it was of equals. And I really like I said, even just for breaking ground for women being exposed as well of her being able to be a funny character. It's, um, 
I'm glad I'm not the only one who grew up with a lot of old TV shows like TV Land, like Ruled Supreme in my house. Um, yeah, totally. I watched probably, I probably shouldn't have been at such a young age. I watched um, a lot of Sanford and Son, mm. and um, which was a very, definitely very racially charged show. But like I said, still a big deal with a very, um, you know, predominantly black cast. And then I remember watching a lot of In the Heat of the Night, which was based off of the movie, which is based off of a book about a black detective coming down in the South. And that, I mean, it was so on the nose. It talked about racial tensions and division and even watching that of just being not seeing still someone who looked like me, but realizing that my pigmentation is not always welcomed. And it kind of gave me like that window because we didn't live in the South, but that was where my dad was from. Of, okay, this is this is a window into a life and a time that I get to kind of experience. And you're right. And as TV start kind of progressing, you know, beforehand, people of color were only the help and the sidekicks of the sidekicks. And then all of a sudden we kind of started getting, you know, like one person, a Latino, a married couple on here that would bro- break ground. And then we started seeing people of maybe one or two or maybe there'd be a married couple until we kind of got into this, you know, um, what was it? Um, was it All in the Family? I yeah, think? yeah. No, there was All in the Family, and then it had this just position of like we had all white family, then we had Good Times, all black family, and you you start having like these shows of being like, okay, people want kind of division. They kind of sort of wanted it. They had like, but we don't know how to introduce it. So let's put it in like a family sitcom kind of comedic way. And make it a little bit more palatable, see if it's going to be a little bit more relatable. And I think we kind of kept that pattern going into the 90s, the same thing with these all kind of same racial, no division, no mixture of families. And it made you feel like, at least for us, for those who are mixed race, that's what a family looks like. And I think that's why we we want to talk about representation. I kept seeing these families, the full houses, they're all, all white. I'm like, really? Danny Taylor couldn't, you know, date anyone a little bit different? You know, it was just... You just start seeing where do you fit into this world from a personal standpoint when you see that. And it's so influential and so important. And, and that's why we rag so, so much on like on white Hollywood. You're excluding a massive chunk of your populace of the people who are consuming your product. You're not making anything for them. And that's how I grew up. I grew up thinking like we are a weird weird breed of people like what my family is doing isn't normal because there's no one who looks like me. well I mean it's also like there's no one who looks like me and then it's very quote traditional families right mm-hmm. um like which means they're only like the nuclear family setup you know mom mm-hmm. and dad and the funny aunt or you know the sassy grandma <laughs> yeah exactly so it's very very limiting in that way and as someone who grew up with a a single mom like you rarely Mm. saw that either and once again also within my own house the three of us all looked so different so Mm -hmm. it was like on tv people would all look the same race and in my house we all did not look the same race so it, it felt like we were weird. We were not normal. And I think that's the thing what we're talking about as far as like being in- inclusive in in diversity. And I think we have talked about it before of our own feelings. And I think we have been so lucky, lucky to get responses from other beautiful unicorns who said, yes, I have felt that exact same way. I've always felt kind of, you know, left out. And um, I-, I didn't know where I fit and where I belong. On the flip side of that, for people who aren't people of color, I think you're, you're missing an opportunity to maybe understand where people are coming from in day-to-day lives as much as you can when things are drama or comedy or even reality shows. These things are based upon a fabrication. These things are indeed for entertainment. But I do believe that there are shows. I know that there's one recently now, I think as a Netflix show, it's, was it One Day at a Time? Didn't that just get canceled too, though? Oh, yeah, girl, that's why. People, they they mad about it. They're really upset because it was, I think, are they, is it, are they the, as a Cuban family? I, think? I, I've never actually seen it, so I don't. I think the lead, she served in the military and she's serving for PSD. I believe her daughter is a lesbian and then they, they talk about this family looks a little different. I don't believe that there's like a strong male father-ish kind of figure here. 
there there's just multi layers of different sorts of representation. And I think it was doing very well and people are not understanding why this show got canceled. And just to hear the feedback that people were getting from it of saying, you don't know what you're doing by canceling this and almost the apology. Oh, here we go. It's Cuban, Cuban American roots. There we go. They're saying, you know, basically don't take it personally was kind of the response of like the network. Don't take it personally. It's not that you're not being represented or your story does not matter to the Cuban community. It's just, we didn't have enough viewership to make it work. And I'm kind of, it's, it's, it's really, really, really sad because there are things being made, but now I can see people who are not of color watching these shows learning like, wow, people who don't look like me also care about family and seeing the, Mm. how different and how structured it is. People who don't look like me struggle with emotional and mental health. People who don't look like me um, have people who are queer in their family. Okay. How, how would that make that interesting and different? I hear a lot of times that people don't have a lot of people of color in their world. I I'm going to try to understand that whatever that looks like, depending on where you live. But we do have these small little windows to where you can kind of try and be outside of yourself and maybe just look into a window of how other people live their life and what's important to them. Right. I mean, I would even say if you, even if you do have people of color in your life, like that doesn't mean you understand the experience. And that's why entertainment can be such a a tool for that film and and television and books books are the best actually (laughs) but because i think you you more put yourself in that world you have to use your your imagination a little bit more than film or television but i think for many people who you picture in your mind when you're imagining those worlds are always white people unless it's explicitly stated that they're not and part of that is because we consume so much entertainment that is predominantly white people i don't know yeah i think it's a it's it's a powerful thing do we have maybe some recommendations for what people should should be watching do you have any recommendations oh girl you know what's really funny (laughs) i i think we talked about this before like kind of off air where you're just kind of like just done where you're almost kind of tired of really like literally looking for it so because when you see it, it's so rare i did watch Dear, dear white people, the series, Mm -hmm. mostly because it was I had heard so much flack about it. And I have my own feelings about it. But it was also just nice to see some of the issues kind of brought up. So I thought, okay, give that a watch. I thought that was really good. I haven't watched regular mainland, mainland, mainland American TV in years because I live over here. But um, there have been some series I've been coming out. Um, I watched Luke Cage because I'm once again kind of tired of all the superheroes not looking like me. I thought that was really... What was the other show that I really watched? I thought, oh, this is actually a pretty diverse cast. Oh, I was watching Star Trek. I'm like, oh, this is not too, too bad. There's, a lot, I think there's like a lot of strong women characters and I really like that because I'll even take women characters at this mm. point. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm seriously, I'm like, I'm just to that point where I'm like, okay, so it might, you know, I'll, I'll take women or aliens. It doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. I don't know. What are, what are you watching or what Ooh. do you find to be a really good representation? I don't know if I'm watching anything that's very diverse, to be quite honest. Mm-hmm. Some good shows, I think, if we're, if we're just trying to lift people up and give people more visibility. I really like She's Gotta Have It. Have you seen that show? Um, oh, Spike yes, Lee. yes, yes. That's a good one. A woman, kind of pansexual woman, maybe bisexual woman um, as the lead. So I really like that show for like just stupid family sitcom, whatever. We've been really into watching Kim's Convenience. Oh, is that good? I love it. But it, it's it's like a sitcom. It's, you know, it's not like... It's a sitcom. It's a family sitcom. So you're all, I, you're all, you're all take it for what you will. <laughs> don't find it that revolutionary in terms of content, except for the fact that it's, you know, a, a Korean Canadian family at the heart of it. So I really like it. I like Kim's convenience. We've talked about Brooklyn nine, nine, which is oh, a yes. diverse cast. I really love oh, Brooklyn. How Nine-Nine. could I forget that? Yeah. 
I don't know. I'm trying to think what else I've been watching lately. Star Trek is a good diverse cast. I watch a lot of older things, too. I'm I'm not up on, on recent things. But I was thinking about it. In some ways, Star Trek Voyager was pretty diverse. Mm-hmm. Actually, we were my husband and I were just talking about Star Trek in general. Each kind of particular chapter has had something that has been very groundbreaking. And I think... I mean, that in itself could be a whole other topic of just like we I think we've touched on it before. We have the the joy that you can do with sci-fi and fantasy. Exactly. Like the sci-fi world, I think, is much easier, like even taking it back a little bit. Battlestar Galactica, the the remake, the more recent one. It was also Mm -hmm. I mean, it could have been more diverse, but I mean, Edward James almost was fucking captain of that ship. Admiral. Mm -hmm. Mm, Captain it. And he was just him. Like, it wasn't about race. It was just, like, that's the character, man. And I, I love that. And also Grace Park, who I have a huge crush on, is, is in that show. So. <laughs> but I think as we... I think this might be a really good place to transition into... We have a new segment. and But this particular segment actually happens to deal with our topic, which might not always be the case. So I'm kind of excited about this. What do you think? Yeah. New segment. All right. New segment. New segment here. All right. So Danny and I communicate a lot just like throughout the week, or at least we try to, but it's mostly just giving, it's a very beautiful relationship. We like to send each other articles or memes or pictures or whatever that we know is probably just going to piss the other person off. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a really, <laughs> it's like, girl, you got to read this thing. It's ridiculous. It's just like most people try to send each other gifts or whatever to make yeah. each other laugh. And we send each other stuff to make each other angry. So we thought what a better place to do it in this little segment we like to call Danny and Demika get mad at the internet. We are so mad at the internet. We are all the we're, time. We're always mad. You don't even know how much we have to talk ourselves down to actually get to talk about the topic. We always have to be like, wait, wait, we have to save it. We have to save it for the show. Just, just hold on there. But um, so what we're going to be doing is uh, taking, like I said, it could be an article, a meme, picture. It uh, doesn't matter how old it is. Just things that we share back and forth with each other. And we're just going to kind of rant and we are going to allow you to come on board with us. And so if you too also like to rant about the internet, this is for you. Um, yeah. So I think you should introduce it since you're the one who sent me this. Is actually, I found it on Instagram, but it is a screenshot from Twitter. And it is, uh, I believe, a screenshot from the show... It's a spinoff from the show Blackish, which we had mentioned before. What's the show? I think it's Mixed-ish or... I have no idea. It's the spinoff, but it's a picture from the show and it's children who are mixed. And it says it's um, that the top of it will say, wow, look at all those dark skinned children they can find when mixed kids need to be laughed at. Well, just the context of the photo, too. Yeah. I haven't seen the show. You know, there's like the three three kids three characters who are clearly mixed race and a cafeteria and there's Mm -hmm. a bunch of kids in there there's some white kids there's some black kids in the background okay Mm -hmm. continue oh no so i mean that that, that's that's it like for this particular framework and this person was basically writing about the scene is where these these kids i'm guessing trying to need like a place to sit and chat and just get kind of hounded by dark-skinned children um the thing is, the person who posted this had a response of basically saying that they finally get people of color on there. So not only are the main characters mixed, but the only time they portrayed black people is when they're being the bully. The thing that made us mad and that we both made the mistake of is that we read the comments. The the person who the main person who wrote about this, she says like black blackish already had mixed people, hence why it's called blackish. Yet they still felt the need to make a whole other spinoff featuring more mixed people. On top of that, they're pushing the whole black people bullied me because I'm mixed narrative. 
Ooh, all right, let's get through. I can get through it. Mm -hmm. And it's funny how Blackish literally has no actual Black people, yet they found all these little Black kids all of a sudden to bully the mixed kids. The show is created by a Black man married to a mixed woman, so honestly, I'm not surprised. Didn't watch Blackish, won't be watching this. Another thing, it's funny how certain people want to claim mixed race people that are mixed with Black are just Black, yet this whole show is to show they aren't. Mixed people aren't black. They are only one race of what they're mixed with. They are mixed, and that's perfectly fine. Is it? The very end, this is the part that really got me. Do you realize the idea of claiming mixed people or anyone with an ounce of black in them was created by racist white people? Why are y'all living by the one drop rule in 2019? So... I have feelings. <laughs> when you sent me this and I looked at it at first, I was like, oh, I can feel you. I can feel you for the, the top part a little bit. Like, oh, that is a shame. That is a yeah. shame that you feel that way, that like black kids are being used as a prop for for other people of color, mixed race kids who are mm -hmm. people of color. That's a shitty way to feel. That sucks. Maybe people shouldn't be doing that. But then as I kept reading, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> yep. No. Mm-hmm. I just. I'm so mad. Like, I'm, I'm just so, so mad. I'm so mad. <laughs> and then, and then you know, you make the, the mistake of going into the, the comment section. Oh, yeah. I just, just like, want to just vomit. It's terrible. It's. I, it's. I want to respond to this. Why are y'all living by the one drop rule in 2019? Um, because that's mm. a society in which we live, fucker. Like, we, <laughs> nobody chose to live that way. Like, Thank it was you. not our choice. <laughs> exactly. I didn't wake up and been like, I want the world to perceive me as just a black woman. I would actually like to be recognized as a mixed race woman because that comes with complexity and an understanding that is all my own. But when I'm in a store, they're not saying, oh, look at that lovely mixed woman who I think might be shoplifting and say, no, look at that black woman with her hand in her purse. She might be shoplifting. When I get pulled over randomly, they don't say, oh, let me let her go. Well, she's mixed. I would never do that to someone who is mixed. No, that's not how I get treated. And things of I, I this article made me so frustrated because I did the same thing that you did too, Danny. I first read it and I'm like, man, you know, this is the divisive thing within the community. And this is what sparked colorism. I I am behind you. I, I completely get that. I don't want to pin children, especially in this where it's children, um, you know, especially children who have darker skin tones who've already had to overcome and have had society tell them that they are, they're not beautiful. They're not worthy. They only get to play these roles. I was there with her. I was like, yep, this is a right that this is a wrong that needs to be, you know, right. And then you read the rest. I'm like, how you, you are part of the problem. Do you not see it? This is why these spaces, this is why they created this show right here. Right. To show, like, like, you're the you person are who should it. be watching this. Exactly. You're the bully, apparently. And I don't even know what skin tone you are, but you sound like a bully. You're acting like a bully. There, there was nothing constructive about this. This is some elitism right here. I'm sorry that you don't consider us to be enough for us to be invited to the barbecue and to the block parties. I'm, 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 I'm sorry that you don't consider me part of the community, but I'm much in this as, as you are. I really like, how dare you? Who are you to write something like that? Do you know? And, and the, like I said, the comments, I, and I will say this, we have everything from people praising the name of this person and being like, yep, I'm with you. I completely agree to people who are on the other spectrum who actually feel a little bit more like us. Like, like, are you kidding me? Like, do you not see how divisive that is? Are you not seeing how problematic your way of thinking is, especially within your own community? And so I will say that, that you did see a wide range of response to this, but my response was, this is exactly why, Danny and I have done this platform and this is why we do things from an angle for someone who is mixed. Not because I feel like that is my prime identity because I want to create a space and a voice to show that we, we have our own particular struggles as well. We're not working against anybody within our own communities, within our own races. We're just trying to make you understand where we're coming from. 
and our own experience. How Ugh. the second you're like a mixed race person isn't either of the things that they're mixed with, then what are we? Are we nothing? Mm-hmm. Like where do we exist? I don't understand what you're saying. Like what you're saying doesn't even make sense. Can we not claim mm-hmm. any of our ancestry? You exactly. as a fully black person can claim to be black, but because Demika's half black, she can't claim that. She's half white, she can't claim that. You know, like we can't claim anything. I don't understand. I just mm-hmm. there was a comment on there that was that said something like and I don't I don't necessarily completely agree with this, but I think it's a good a good talking point, a good place to start. And said something about how mixed people have it worse than anybody because they're oppressed but they can't claim to be oppressed. <laughs> like, And I think that in some ways it's that's true. I don't think we have it worse than anybody, but I think it's a, di- it's a different problem that we might have. It is a different problem, but we don't have the solace of having a community. I think that's what actually has helped several movements um, is that there's an oppressed people group. And what you do is that you come together in order to be like-minded to face off to the problem going forward. But we don't have a home base because no one is letting us be with them. Does that make sense? Like you actually brought it up when we were kind of preparing it for it. Can you imagine being mixed but not being mixed with white? Like when we talked about it before, um, can you imagine being, you know, um, there was an actor who I saw was, you know, Asian and black. Where would you go then? Would you say, no, no, go over right. to, you know, you know, you're, you're obviously, you know, you're Filipino or you're Thai or you're Chinese and you're also black. Where, where would you go when you're saying I'm not being represented? I'm not being listened to. I'm being made fun of. I need to be with someone who understands me and I can get support. Well, black people are like, no, 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 you're not black enough. And within, you know, if you have Asian culture, they're like, no, we can't understand you either because we don't understand where you're coming from. Because you're different. What are you saying to to people? What what, yeah. what voice are we ever going to have if that if that's if that's your intention and your heart? And you, and the worst part is, I just I don't think I don't think this person hears it. I don't yeah, think they exactly. hear the actual problem of it. And I think I think that that's the hard part because you can hear the pain and the frustration. And for that, I completely relate I mean- to. I do. But then you can see, like, wow, you're not hearing it, honey. (laughs) Yeah, and I think just to kind of tie it back to the larger topic of the episode, Mm -hmm. um, what's really, what I think they're really missing that's really beautiful about this show is that there are these roles that are intentionally mixed race roles. Like, we see that so rarely and even when we were talking about about representation, we just defaulted to talking about people of color and not necessarily talking about people who are mixed race because it's it's so rare for a character in a show to be mixed race. Like there's mixed race people on TV, but they typically have to pass as one thing or another, right? Exactly. In order to play I was just a role. About to say, in, yeah. I wanted to talk about it's not blackish and I haven't even seen the show, but uh, Marvel's agents of shield. Mm. There's a character on that show who is of Asian descent, I guess. Uh, so she's played by Chloe Bennett, whose legal name is Chloe Wong, but she, after auditioning in Hollywood, she, decided she couldn't she couldn't get any roles like she was auditioning she couldn't get any acting gigs so her name was chloe wong she's mixed race she can pass as white right so she changed her name to chloe bennett and after her first audition she booked a role (laughs) Like, like so she did that in order to work in this career and now she's getting all this flack that's like well, now you should change your name back to Wong. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this oh, poor no, woman. poor Wong. <laughs> like, no matter what. Because people are like, you know, you're erasing your background. You're, you know, but it's like, these are... She's trying to eat. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to please anybody. Like, if she changed her name back 
people would be pissed about it, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, exactly. I completely agree. But I, I think that what's just, just so frustrating is that even within like this context, we were talking about with our main topic today is that it's exactly what you said. I understand the anger because there have been roles for, for people of, of color, things of that nature that get played by people of other races, and like, mm-hmm. finally, we get a role that's supposed to be X, Y, Z race, and they get someone else who's a lot more like European looking. And I can understand how that would be really, really frustrating. Right. We, we talked you about that. When we, yeah. You don't look Asian enough to play an Asian role, but you're mm-hmm. not white enough to play a white role. So it's like, yes, we should have we should have Asian people playing Asian roles. But like, at what point is mixed race not Asian anymore? Like. I, and that's the thing. I don't have the answer either because I'm, I'm tired of discrediting people who are mixed because, like I said, they don't look Asian enough. But on the other hand, I do understand, like I said, especially for like – I can imagine like if a Native American role came up and they got someone who was half and maybe didn't have all the necessarily like darker features or, you know, stronger features of that who might – someone might be full – But I mean, even amongst that, like we're talking Native Americans, like there's such a range of what that looks like. Oh, yeah. And if we're talking full blooded, like Plains Indians look way different than the Pueblo people. And like, I don't know. It's just it's so complicated. And and I think that entertainment plays such a role Mm -hmm. in kind of like making us confused as a populace we don't know we have this a distorted reality and distorted ac- expectations of what people actually look like because oh, yeah. of this so those of us who are ethnically ambiguous where do we fit in all of this but what the media has shown us is that we don't exactly we don't because we're not going to show you because and it's like I said before, it's on both sides. No one's going to buy it because no one wants to see it. So we ain't going to make it. And, and and I think that's why we want to encourage people and even ourselves. I think maybe that might be our challenge because we just finished up our fresh face challenge a little while ago. And I was saying maybe just challenging ourselves to really bring forth and introduce things that have diversity and encouraging people like we do want to see it. There is a place. You have a place. You have a voice. You don't need to have and create your own podcast where you can yell with your friend and be angry at the internet for, you know, just to to see you can that way, you you know, you have a place to put that frustration. But, uh, girl, it is messy. And I, I don't know. (laughs) I think... We need a palate cleanse and to move Girl, into our happy places. It's time for our happy place. Can can you uh, <laughs> start us off? What's your happy place? Um, you know how I was talking about going to Amsterdam and doing all the white things yes. that I just love to do? Um, one of the whitest things I've ever done, which is also one of the happiest things I've ever done, is I took um, a canal tour on all the channels in Amsterdam with my familia. And it was enchanting, it was tranquil, and it was beautiful. And I do not care what anyone has to say about it. It was so lovely. It was really nice. It was the best part of the whole trip of just being able to see Amsterdam on a boat and just kick it with your family and listen to the cheesy historical things or your ear pods. It was just, it was absolutely gorgeous. And I'm a sucker for being on the water. Um Wait, so yeah, you was, were you were a black person on the water and you were okay? Yeah, I was totally well half of me was. Uh, Only half of me was okay. Yeah. The other half was just like, uh uh-uh. uh. It was um it was actually really beautiful. The sun was out. Um, though you could uh, I will say, of course, everything has to be racially driven. Seeing people of privilege on their boats was a whole sight to see as opposed to those who are working. It was just mm. very blatant. I will leave it at that because this is our happy place. But it was just interesting to see, like, even in, you know, an, another country, uh, you could just see the dynamics really change. But it was really beautiful. Like, we, we spent hours on the water because we did, did, we did two different ones. Um, and just being on Amstel and hearing about it in the open water, it was just, and seeing just how a city can survive being on water. I mean, this is how people travel and seeing houses with the hooks on top of their houses because they lift things on the outside and people will sometimes have boats connected to like, there's an apartment building that we saw 
that the outside of it was water. And those who had outside riverfront had their own like little boats and they would travel by boat to and fro. Like we would do bicycles or Ubers. It's just a different way of life. And girl, the amount of bicycles that you hear stereotypically about Amsterdam. Yeah. Double that. However many you think they have. And I have been to Cambridge where it's just bicycle city. Next level girl. It is a mind job. That's one of the things I would be most excited about about Amsterdam is is the cycling culture. And mm-hmm. it's something that I like we we have a fair amount of cyclists in Albuquerque, not like a lot, but you know, we have bike paths and the like the weather is generally good enough that it's it's fine to bike a lot of the a lot of the year. But I miss that about other places. Like people mm-hmm. actually use bicycles for transportation, not just recreation. Girl, you would flipping love it. I mean, the thing is, sometimes it's down. They have their own lane in most places, and not just like in the main thoroughway. Like most of it have their their own lane. You have to watch out. Like the first thing they tell you with tourists, you gotta look, or you will get ran over because people have been bicycling outside of the womb, and then you will see a mom. No, no joke. She will have like one with a big, massive basket in the front, like huge, huge, have two kids there, have a kid on the back and like be taking the kids to school. And that's how she does it. And people will have like little tiny ones where they can have a person in the front and just bike around. Tandem bikes are everywhere, bike police, bike ambulances. It's just part of their life. And every, everywhere you could possibly put a bike, any rail is fair game. Like everywhere you could, I'll have to send you a couple of pictures Anywhere you could possibly stash a bicycle in any in any nick, you it's just there. And it's just so different. And their public transportation system is amazing. And I just the thing I'm gonna miss most about living over here is the being able to just kind of get around without the need of a car. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love I love so much. Like it was the same thing when we were in Barcelona. Um, even just uh, maybe not necessarily like in Wales, but even in Scotland. It's just not needing and being tied down to, you know, having to drive. I love public transit so, so much. And the culture of it, like, I didn't see anybody who was out of shape there. Like, everyone is just exercise and being outdoors and using that as your way of life is so interesting. And I really enjoyed that. But what is your happy place? Um, My happy place is the library. Mm. (laughs) Is that the actual library or is that the bar called the library? Uh, it is the actual library. I've never there been we to go. the bar called the library. What? Because you're a classy woman. You don't need that no, in your life. I don't need Just that don't. in my life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's the library. We went. Um, I went to the library on Sunday and I, it had been a while since I had been. Uh, I, I do like a lot of reading via Kindle. So I... I do check out things from the library, but often just online. Um, Hmm. But we went to the actual library on Sunday as part of a a date day with me and my husband because we both are huge book nerds. And I just, I love the whole thing. I love like the smell of the old books. I love just like walking through and browsing books Mm. trying to unravel the mystery of the dewey decimal system (laughs) (laughs) and when you figure it out tell the rest of us (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love it all and and just like the weird gems you find Mm -hmm. um and just reading it was it was also stormy that day so (gasps) so then to just like go home and read while it was stormy out was really nice Oh, that sounds amazing. We sound really bougie for our happy places. Oh, like, I know. Is, is the library bougie, though? Well, I, I, you know what? I, re- I retract. Cultured. We sound cultured. <laughs> <laughs> we sound so classy and so cultured. Like I, I love that the library is, like, classy and cultured when it's literally like, I'm going to go to a place where they're going to give me books for free. But <laughs> they're just going right? to I return them. <laughs> Yeah, it's all based. No, no, it's there's no trust. There's definitely idle. There's idle threats that are definitely involved in the library. That's Maybe that's true. just the ones here. They will let you know. They're like, um, we know where you live. 
and you have a child, oh, and she's five, and this is her birthday, give us back our book. (laughs) But those are some pretty good happy places. Go to your library and read in a storm. I mean, if you can't go to Amsterdam, go to the library. And you can go read about it. Yeah. (laughs) I can't tell you. I I can't tell you where the books about Amsterdam are, but they're somewhere. (laughs) Or just read about a Dutch person. There we go. A windmill. Yeah, totally. Which dude? Girl, you got to get out here. Unreal. (laughs) Windmills. (laughs) All right. Well. We have been every emotion possible this one. I know. It's exhausting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I guess we should thank you again to the Circle of Nerds for the topic. We appreciate their support. We have to have them on our show now. Yeah, we probably should. We should do that. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, I, please, we love suggestions. Obviously, we do. We, we do them. Um, you can email them to us at uh, biracialunicorns at gmail.com. Um, you can also just post them onto our Instagram. We actually really love that as well. We're Biracial Unicorns on Instagram, also on Facebook. On Twitter, we're Biracial Magic. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast mm. so that you're able to catch all of our episodes, including our mini-sodes, which are every mm-hmm. other week. So we'll be back next week with a mini-sode and back in two weeks with another full-length ranty episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, be sure to invite your friends to, to listen to the pod and have some conversations. Yeah, and we'd love to hear that. We love hearing about outcomes and... Um... Yeah, we we had a suggestion before where people kind of just get together and all listen together and then discuss. And I thought that was such a cool experience and a really good suggestion. Just a good way to talk about issues maybe that you're not necessarily comfortable about. Because then we can take the blame for that. So there you go. And thank you to Dolly Pop Art for our amazing art. Thank you to Joseph Scott of Citizens of Tape City for our great music. We haven't gotten too big where we've forgotten where we came from, Danny. Maybe you haven't. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> That's how you end a show. All right, everyone. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. Peace. Out. <laughs>